Action Park Media. Welcome back to Entertain Her. I am Sarah Sanderson. I'm Erin Coscarelli. Hey, hey, I'm Zulai Hanau. So happy to be here today on election day. It's midterm Ooh. election. <laughs> get out there and vote. Oh, wait, it would be too get late out there by and now. Get your voice heard. It'd be too late at this point, but I hope you did get your voice heard and that you voted. Uh, we don't have Erica with us today, but she is here in spirit. We love you and miss you, Erica. And uh, let's get right into it. The wind down. Oh, did I just say it? Do we even yeah, need you did. Kevin? I did. All right. We're here. Welcome. We're here. We're here. Welcome to the wind down. Um, so You're listen, very chipper today, Sarah. You are you know, very chipper. You know, I'm trying to. I got like a little small foot up in my ribs, it feels like. Um, I'm just oh, trying to ignore trying to ignore that uh, feeling and uh, just flow with it. But, you know, I'm excited that I am back in L.A. and I'm in a house with furniture. <laughs> because <laughs> you have no idea how important furniture really is. It makes a home. Uh, we we got this house in the desert and it is empty. We only have um, mattresses and one is broken in the uh, upright position of the feet. It's like one of those adjustable bases. It's been a nightmare. The other mattress that we got um, is also an adjustable base and they didn't leave a remote or even try to see if the bed works. So that one's flat. And these are base, these are beds that are made to order, so they're super hard when you first get them. So it's uh, not great when you're eight months pregnant. But I went to um, Mathis Brothers, and for I think it was sixty dollars, I got two bar stools so that we had somewhere to sit. So yeah, I did see the stories. Those are cute, interesting. Yes. I like it. Yeah, Doug has been there for a week and uh, he has another week in this empty I, house. I have questions about this. Okay. Why, why are you guys there when, when it's not furnished so precisely? We have a. <laughs> at, eight, <laughs> at eight months. It was, <laughs> it was supposed to be furnished with some stuff. That's why he had hired these designers that uh, totally screwed us over and left us with no furniture. Um, and then. You know, we have a very small window to use this house before the baby comes. And I, you know, I'm from what I've heard, because it's my first baby, they go to the doctor a lot when they're first born. So you kind of need to stay close to home. So I'm not planning on going to this desert house until February or March. So this was the only time that we could go there. So Doug was determined that he's going to go there. So he's just in this empty house. I went for a few days and then I was like, so I'm going to leave on Monday. He goes, what? Why? Um, I have a lot to do and uh, there's nowhere to sit here. So it was interesting weekend. It was also my birthday, um, which was fun. We went exploring to a couple restaurants, which the food wasn't great. So that was interesting, but we'll hit and miss some. We'll find the new spots, but what's going on with you ladies? I love Indio. I have yet to find great restaurants out there myself, but they have great Mexican food. So if you Ooh. guys didn't dive into the Mex like the local Mexican food and it's so affordable, it's so delicious, it's so fresh and people out there are just nice. So make sure you get into the Mexican food out there. Send some suggestions. I'll send Doug there. Yeah. Shout out to my Mexican family out there. Not really, but my Mexican peeps out there because they are I'm going to find them for you because you guys should definitely be hitting these places up. 
Um, I guess I'll go next because uh, I'm already talking. I sprained my ankle. <laughs> Salsa dancing. Guys, I went, to, I went to El Florida. I was feeling myself wearing four-inch heels, doing the most, dancing like a wet rat again for hours on end. My mom was like, what are you doing? I took my mom with me and my, well, my sister and all her friends from New Jersey were here visiting. So we all thought this would be a great place to introduce them to a little salsa dancing, some Cuban food, you know, get the, 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 you know, just get them kind of in the Spanish, the Latin vibe here in LA. Mm -hmm. And um, it was beautiful. It was amazing until I decided that I was going to do too much. And I sprained, here's the thing. I'm, I'm diagnosing myself. So I, I am putting, I'm getting a, a podiatrist appointment as we speak, but what I felt was my ankle kind of just wasn't supporting my body. So I would dance and it would go, whoa, and I would just fall. It didn't hurt until yesterday. Now I'm icing. I'm it's, it's, it's um, what is the word? Decompressing. It's oh, swollen. Jesus. Yeah. My vocab today is not great. <laughs> it It was swollen. <laughs> And so, um, and I'm very sad because I was supposed to go salsa dancing again next Sunday. It's my, it's my therapy. It's my, my soul comes alive. And now I'm walking around with a bad foot. Mm. But was Javier there? <laughs> <laughs> was Caesar there? Caesar, <laughs> that's it. Uh, Caesar was not there, but Fernando was. Oh, Fernando was twisted and twir- Fernando's the one that I think I was dancing with Fernando when I felt my ankle. And then guys, I'm going to say this last thing and I'm going to shut the hell up because I'm so angry with myself. I decided that I was going to take that one shoe off and sit there and drink some water as if that was going to somehow alleviate the situation immediately. Then another guy comes and asks me to dance and I'm like, sure, take off my other shoe. Now I'm dancing barefoot by my table, of course, not like on the day, made it infinitely worse. And now I'm paying for the, my sister's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I don't know. I'm having fun. And I had two glasses of wine. I wasn't even drunk dancing. So anyway, moving on a sprain, a sprain, a sprain. What is, what is the recovery time in something like that? I think it's a minor sprain. And I think it's probably like a week. Hopefully Mm -hmm. I'll be up and running by next Monday when it comes salsa dancing. (laughs) I mean, Zulai, it's just like, I feel like you're, you're so tough. You know, you got the military background in you. You're like, I got a sprained foot, but I'm going to keep on dancing. Allie was saying you just went to that ice bath and she's like, man, Zulai (laughs) is one tough chick. She just sat in the ice bath and breathed her way right through it. Like no problems. And everyone else, I guess it's like really hard for them. And I went, she was in the military. (laughs) She could do anything. I feel like I'm a big baby, but yeah, the ice bath was, I think I just prepared myself for what it was. I mean, obviously I was going to be cold. Like there's nothing else to expect, but you're freezing and I've been freezing before. So I was just like, I can freeze through six <laughs> minutes. <laughs> so I did. I sat there. I didn't make she a was, scene, but she was very impressed. <laughs> I guess people oh, don't so do sweet. that. Yeah. Allie, Allie is such a gift of a friend, right? Like she, I love that. Like, as you get older, it's less about raging in a nightclub and it's more about like, how can we uh, recover from sprains and <laughs> inflammation together? Right? Maybe I do. Maybe I should ice bath again. Now with this situation, that would probably oh, help. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, big time. yeah. 
yeah, you you really should actually do like compression of like ice and then heat and then ice and then heat. I actually don't even know about the heat part, but for sure you should be icing. Yeah. <laughs> Dr. Kevin, Aaron Kevin was, in the house. <laughs> Kevin was icing my foot in all the wrong places last night. I'm like, it's on my ankle. <laughs> oh, that's cute though that he was no, trying. He was cute. He was cute because mm. I tried. I made him feel bad. I'm like, do you not care? He's like, I do care, but what do you want me to do? Your ankle swollen. When I first met Doug, I had a tap dancing injury on my foot. <laughs> I tap danced in literally 20 year old heeled shoes. And I don't know what I did to my foot, but I was limping and I had to tape it. And I had just met Doug. And so I brought my tape over and I was like, hey, can you tape my foot? And I have a photo of him laughing because he's like holding the tape up. He's so confused. And he, I thought was joking where he's like, isn't there like a nurse that we can have come over and do this, which I at the time thought was a joke. But now that I know Doug, I know that absolutely was not a joke. And he (laughs) did say, I must really like you because I don't do things like this. (laughs) If I was to ask him now to tape my foot, he'd be like, no, bro, (laughs) he wouldn't do it. So it's cute. Kevin would ice your foot. Yeah, it was cute. Thanks, babe. We are excited to bring it back to entertainment today. Talk a little bit about um, some very important, I don't want to call them gatekeepers, but they're important people to have. And that is your team. That is an agent and a manager who can open doors for you, set up meetings, uh, introduce you to certain casting directors and producers, get you in the right room and help you along your career. Um, I am I have myself some horror stories about my own, (laughs) my own experience in that. Also some amazing stories, but uh, I would love to also hear what Aaron and Zulai have going on with uh, agents and managers and advice and take I am actually looking for a manager right now. Sorry, you know this, but I've actually started to uh, actively look for a new manager. So my agents are involved in helping um, I just kind of have a question with for you guys before. I think this is a little different for you, for you, Aaron, but maybe not. Let's see. Okay, guys. So typically an agency is tasked with the job of creating job opportunities for you, i.e. getting you auditions, interviews, you know, for Aaron's. Um, but you all, it's, it's called an audition in your world as well, mm-hmm. right? It depends. Yeah, it depends. Whatever auditions, interviews, what have you. And that is their primary job. They then once they book you on a job, get a 10%, which is the customary 10%. Some people do less, some people do more depending depending on the level of agency you're at. I think 10% is the industry standard. And then you have managers. Now I've, I think that I've always had a very, um, what's the word? I had one great manager, and he was my first manager, Jean-Louis Diamonica, um, who was kind of just started things off for me in a big way. But I just feel like if a manager is just doing the same thing that your agent is doing, i.e. getting you auditions and getting you these interviews and job opportunities, for me, it's always been like, what's the point of having that extra person to take another 10% from your paychecks? And so then now that becomes a 20% on top of your lawyer fees. Now it's 25%. So it's a big chunk of your paycheck before taxes that's going out of that's, that's just gone. So I've always had a very um, nuanced relationship with managers because I feel like my expectations have become higher and higher the more that I'm in this industry. 
Um, for example, this last manager that I had for two years, obviously I'm not going to say any names. I don't think it's important. I think it's just kind of me. What What is the word? I, I have to kind of idealize or put together what my expectation, my expectations are of these people, because I feel like my expectations are never met. It's always like an additional person getting me auditions. How do you guys feel about that? How do you feel like a manager should be adding to your already, um, to your agency that that's their job to do? For me, I feel like I want a manager that's going to come in and get me opportunities with directors. Hey, meet this director, meet this producer. I am now into producing. Here's a producing opportunity for you. Um, Branding deals. I think that a manager should be all encompassing and kind of tying everything together in a cohesive unit, as opposed to doing the same exact thing that an agent is doing. But I don't know. I may be wrong. I may be just expecting too much. From what I understand, um, especially now, it's sort of changed. Like managers do kind of act as second agents, but they have a smaller roster. So they're supposed to be more hands-on with you and kind of help manage your career a little bit more on a personal level than just here's an audition sending you out and guiding you. Like an agent is supposed to just want you to do a job. Here's a job, do it. And the manager's like, hey, wait a second. Let's think about if you should do this job. Let's think about what we're going for, what we want. They're supposed to be the ones that kind of might hit pause on the agent. And if an agent isn't working for you, then they should help place you somewhere else with another agent. Or like you said, if there's branding deals or whatever it is, they're kind of like the ringleader, I think, of your team is what they should be doing as a manager. But they also can get you auditions. So if people listening that don't have either are wondering, oh, which one should I get? Um, Agents are, I feel like you'll get more auditions with agents than you will with managers. I think it's easier to get signed with a manager than it is an agent for some odd reason. Um, I think either or is fine to just get started. And again, because they kind of both can get you auditions. Um, just whoever is most excited about you is I think who you should sign with, but you should try to get a full team because everyone has their own connections and their own personal relationships with producers and casting. So it's just somebody else rooting for you and helping you get out there. Yeah, I think, first of all, same can go for hosts or personalities, or you're seeing like even reality stars um, do broadcast or hosting or speak on panels. So very much my broadcast industry leans into the the entertainment industry in terms of acting and hosting. Um, I think so. So for people that are interested, because I think you guys kind of deciphered what the two do, right? An agent sort of looks at um, breakdowns, submits you, whereas a manager has a smaller roster and kind of curates your career and, and, and isn't so open to necessarily having you book every single job. When do you get an agent and when do you get a manager? And then also part two of that question is how do you get both? How do you, how do you get an agent and how do you get a manager? It's such a catch 22 with agents. I've had so many young people along the way ask me like, Hey, you know, how do you get an agent? And I'm like, I just look at them and I'm like, oh my God, we need to sit down and have a bottle of wine or, <laughs> or it's <laughs> such a catch 22, especially if you're a young actor, just getting started in the industry. It's, you know, they tell you, you can't be in the union until you do union work and you can't do union work until you're a union actor. 
And I remember being a very young actor and thinking to myself, like, this is impossible. And it truly sometimes, but you can do it. There's multiple ways to do it. Um, One of the ways is you can be an extra. How many times is it, Sarah? How many uh, three I don't vouchers, know if it's changed, but I did three SAG vouchers. Yeah. And then yeah. I got SAG. And then there's another route where you can just get really lucky and have an agent send you out on things and piggyback you and you book something, a speaking role, and you're automatically, you know, SAG eligible. And then on top of that, the prices are so expensive. So for young actors, I understand um, how frustrating and how difficult it seems, but There are ways around. There are ways to um, become SAG eligible. You just have to pay your dues. And I hate that that's kind of what people still tell you, but I think that is the truth, right? Yeah. Well, there is an interesting turn now with people making their own films and so much um, independent stuff that there's a lot of non-union work. And especially if you're just starting and you're wanting to get a reel to show your work to an agent, it's going to be easier on a non-union level. But it's good to be SAG eligible because I think then when you are getting those legit real auditions, it just looks better to casting that you're already in the union. Because if you're not, they now know, oh, she hasn't really worked yet. Can we trust her on set? Um, As far as getting, if you're young and new, even though it's hard because you don't have credits, you can get people to take a chance on you because no one knows. Absolutely. A lot. Yeah. It's a lot easier to get you into a room. If no one's met you, you've got to meet this girl. She's 19 or she's 20 or whoever, like this guy just graduated from Juilliard. He's great. Whatever the story is, casting will say, sure. Yeah, I'll meet him. Whereas now if I have someone calling and saying, Hey, uh, we want Sarah Sanderson to come and read for this. Oh, she's not right. Whether or not I'm right in their mind, they think they know me I'm not right or whatever the situation is. It's harder to get you in the room when you've been around for a little while because you'll start hearing opinions of whether or not that person thinks you're right for the role rather than, oh yeah, I'll meet them. And maybe you can change their mind whether or not you were right for the role. So that does happen. Um, And I think if you can get both an agent and a manager at one time, do it. Like I said, it's just more people sending you out. And if you can only get one, that's great. In my experience, I've had a lot more success getting signed with managers than agents. It's just, it's harder with agents. Again, they have such a giant roster Um, and they just want to see money and fast is what I've experienced. Like they're not willing to really put in years of work and trying to develop you. They don't really want to develop as much because they just more of a numbers game. Um, I did have a, speaking of a horse story, I had an agent that I was with years ago and I got a court order delivered to the door. What? Yeah. Court and order. I got like served by somebody with this court order and this agency, and I obviously won't say their name, um, was listed, had like six different names. So the agent is a smaller agency his had changed the name of his agency six different times, like with just either a the or no the or whatever they added to keep changing it. And the court order was that any residuals or money that I made was to the, the commission was to be paid to city national bank and not to him because I guess I, I have no idea what the lawsuit was, but they had taken over his assets apparently. So I call him 
And I'm like, hey, I just got this court order. And he said, oh, yeah, you could just ignore that. And I'm like, it's signed by a judge. I don't think I can ignore this. And he goes, yeah, no, you can just continue to send me um, your commissions. Just ignore it. And so I call my dad, who's an attorney, and I, I explained what happened. He goes, Sarah, this man is a crook. If he has that many names for his agencies, that's how many times he's either declared bankruptcy or had lawsuits and he had to change the name of the company. And he's like, you should not work with him. So then I obviously called and dropped him. But then now you're in a pickle of, I don't have an agent and you got to go through the whole song and dance again. And it's not easy unless you have like, you know, a hit show you're on or something that like, they really will just grab, like they'll all then chase you. Otherwise it's you having to chase them. Hi, do you want to sign me? Do you want to work with me? It's tough, but I had to do the right thing and cut that cord. I would say, so I was signed by a very big agency and um, I decided to leave them. And um, this is why it's very important to read the fine print of your contract because a deal I had booked before I ever signed with this agency, when I left, they sent me a letter saying, hey, you needed to um, get out, sign out of our deal within a certain amount of days. And since you didn't, you're technically still contracted with us and therefore you owe us. I got a letter in the mail and they wanted to take my residual. So I had to hire a lawyer, actually a, a lawyer you guys know, to get me out of my contract with the big agency. Ended up getting out of it. Everything was fine. But it's just read the fine print and make sure you know how to get out of a contract when you need to get out of a contract. So I think you kind of um, made mention of the story when we had... Um... Dave Feldman on. I'm assuming this is the same situation. I'm so glad that you were able to get out of that. But yes, that is such good advice. Make sure that you always know what's in the fine print. Although um, a lot of agencies and managers do not require contracts right now. I think it's kind of an open relationship. It's People are more used to an open relationship situation where you're trying each other out. And if, hey, no hard feelings, if it's not working, you know, you, you're free to go. For example, with my latest situation with my, my manager of two years, um, I, I guess coming out of being pregnant and becoming a mom and wanting to just really jump back in and get back to work and being really excited. I didn't really feel the excitement reciprocated. And I was finding myself wondering like, okay, what are these people doing outside of what my agency's already doing, what APA is doing, which is a great agency. And I'm really happy with them. I've been with them for a long time. I too have been at, been at the bigger agencies, both ICM and CAA. And while I had a great experience at both, I, at this point of my career, am happier in, in a smaller, um, just a smaller home where you get more attention and you're, you're, you can have like a real personal relationship with your agents. And I'm not saying that's not possible at the bigger agencies. Absolutely, it is possible at the bigger agencies. I just think you have to be a, a you know a bigger caliber actor to really have that hand, you know, that personal one-on-one um, -on -one relationship with these ginormous agents. Um, so I'm really happy at APA, and I was just got to the point where I barely talked to my manager. 
Um, it was mostly me reaching out and asking for, you know, asking I'm certain asking about certain projects. So I'm I'm always gonna tell people who ask me, or if you're listening, if you're on this listening to this podcast, you have to advocate for yourself. Like many times in the past, I've been in a I've been kind of afraid to have these honest conversations with these people that work for me in essence. And I think that's something that we should always remember is that they're they're working on a team for us. And if you're not feeling, you know, 100% represented, or if you're not feeling heard, or if you're not feeling like they, they're working um, cohesively with the rest of the team, you it's your you have to advocate for yourself in these situations, because or else you're going to be you're going to be sitting there and you're when you do book a job, you're going to pay somebody 10% that may or may not have earned it or deserved it. That's all I'm saying. So now I'm looking for someone new and it's exciting. I am also not in a rush to hire someone new. I feel like intuitively I'll know when this person comes and it's going to, and it's going to come down to how excited somebody is to help me build this next phase of my, of my career out. So I'm not in a rush. I'm not like, saying I need an agent or, I mean, a new manager tomorrow. I don't think it's that necessary or that pressing. I think even if I went into next year without one, I would feel okay. So I'm putting it out there. I'm looking for someone who's excited to help me build out my personal brand as an actor, but also my modern news. And here I am speaking about it, bringing it into putting it out there. Yes. Um, but you are looking now as an entrepreneur and an actress, somebody that can both represent you and what is coming behind modern news. Exactly. Yeah. That's very important to me right now to have somebody help me build out, build out the other entity and also make it a part of me and create opportunities around it. There's so much opportunity that can be created just from, you know, the birth of something new. So yeah, I'm excited about that. And that would be my advice is as great as it is to be with a huge company because they can open certain doors that no matter how excited someone at a smaller company is about you, they just don't have that same pull. It's better though to be with someone who really believes in you and is so excited because they're going to work for you. Whereas these, it might sound good to say, oh yeah, I'm with CAA, but you might be sitting on their wall or you like, you don't get your emails returned and, you know, you call, you don't get a call back, like, cause you're not really making them a lot of money. So it's just, I think whenever you are taking meetings with people, it's important to keep that in mind. Who is the most excited? And it is a relationship. Who do I feel like I can really connect with? Who I can call, who I can let them know like, Hey, I'm not feeling this. And they're not going to freak out. It's funny because Doug, um, he is not like us. Like what you were just saying that you're like afraid sometimes to have those conversations. Doug is very to the point. And if he feels like someone's not working for him or doesn't return an email or doesn't call him back dropped, like, cause he's like, I don't to, to him. It's funny because I guess also since he's a creator and he creates his own jobs, he doesn't really need someone to get him the opportunities. So for him, they don't hire him. They just help set up a meeting. So he's like, I don't need them. Like, that's fine. If they don't want to email or call me back, whatever, I'll go on to somebody else. Um, but yeah, I'm always timid to have those as well. I had one um, manager I was with for 10 years and uh, she, I found out we weren't working together anymore because she took me off her IMDb. And 
And that was a 10 year relationship. Did not call me, did not email me. Um, and I had, I had had a question a couple of times, like, Hey, I'm not really getting auditions or I'm writing this children's book. I was wondering if you knew any agents. So maybe I was being that annoying squeaky wheel, which listen, if that happens that you do have those conversations and then you get dropped, um, that person wasn't really working for you, you know, um, because otherwise they would be wanting to say, Hey, okay, yeah, let, let's work on this. How can we make you happy? How can we get you out more? And if they just drop you, you were kind of sitting on their wall or they weren't that excited about you anymore. And you don't want to sit in that situation. I want to um, go back pre- to the point where she just never told you. I noticed that, um, for some reason I, I went onto my IMDb and I noticed that it wasn't there. I emailed her and again, I've known her for 10 years. I emailed her on a Sunday and I said, Hey, I don't know if this is a mistake. I was going to re-add it, but thought I should double check. She did not reply that right there what? to me. Cause this is like a friend 10 years. I went, Oh, that's not a mistake. She replied on Monday saying, Hey, sorry. I didn't reply yesterday. It was a Sunday. I wasn't working. I know you get your emails, you know, like, and then she's like, but um, I actually don't go on IMDb. Maybe my partner did that, but I haven't had a chance to have a conversation with you. I am having to drop a lot of people because um, this was like during COVID times and she didn't have an assistant and she was overwhelmed with whatever. So she dropped like a bunch of her clients. But I mean, a 10 year relation. And I think that was over email. Like she didn't even call. So it was pretty crazy because it is like a relationship. You feel like these people are on your team. They're your cheerleader. So that was like pretty hurtful. I kind of need listen, to know. Who I'm, just kidding. <laughs> I'm not going to out who it is. They're, they're a great person. They have a great company. It's just, you know, it wasn't the right fit. I don't think it was handled well with how it ended. That doesn't also, tell me that you're a great person. If you can't communicate to someone that they're no longer representing them in their career, something that's so important to you and a relationship of 10 years, I'm sorry, that is fucked up in the bit. Like you deserved a phone call, not an yeah. email. So sorry that happened to you, Sarah. And you lady, shame on you. You miscommunicating. (laughs) Yeah, I don't, it was, uh, it was shocking. It was not how I thought that would be handled. But I also on the flip side, (laughs) I have been a coward in that situation where I have sent an email dropping reps rather than calling them. And I probably should have called them because it was like, you know, close friends. And then I got a call from them. Like, what, what, what do you mean? Like, why is it, why are you dropping me? So on the flip side, I've, I've done it as well. I know it's an uncomfortable situation. It's never hard. It's like breaking up with somebody, you know? Well, I don't think, listen, I, I think an email would have sufficed. Something. Well, yes. But she but, wasn't in fact repping you. She was, she was not keeping, she's like, I had to drop a lot of people, including you, Sarah. I just didn't have the balls to email you. Never mind. I call you. Hadn't found time to let you know. In six but months. She, but she had let. No, I don't know how many, how much time it was when she made, made the decision. <laughs> she had had a conversation it, already with my agent. He knew, but she hadn't told me yet. Isn't it so funny how this type of stuff reveals your own interpersonal relationships to people? Like, like if I were to see somebody drop, I, I don't know if I would even reach out. I would go, oh, okay, deuces. You know, and so it's really funny because um, when I've dropped agents, the hardest thing for me to do is to pick up the call because I'm a classic avoider. I don't like to have to let people know 
I don't want to, we're not working together anymore. Um, but it really is so funny how the entertainment industry is really a microcosm for how we all just hand like that woman. She just, that's probably how she handles a lot of things when she's uncomfortable. She just avoids. Right. So it's really fascinating. She said in her experience, it's better to do it over email. I guess she's been yelled at in the past. Like, I, <laughs> I wasn't going to yell at her. I was just like, um, we worked together for 10 years. I think I should at least talk to you on the phone. <clears throat> but yeah. But listen, yeah. like I said, that person wasn't believing in me at that point anymore. Although she kept saying, I know you're going to book a show. She just, uh, for whatever reason, wasn't having the time at to put in to my career and you don't want to be on that person's roster then. Exactly. And I ended up getting signed with, uh, I used to be with a huge management company when I first started that took a risk, a chance on me. I ended up getting signed with one of those guys from the team. And I ended up booking a huge movie that I still can't say anything about because I signed an NDA, which none of that would have happened if I didn't get dropped by this ex manager. So you never know why things happen, you know? If people are wondering like, how do, well, how do I go about finding an agent or manager? There is IMDb Pro. You can pay, I think it's $15 a month. And it has a lot of their emails, contact informations, addresses, phone numbers, names to all these agencies. Or you can look up your favorite show and you can see who booked something and who they're rep by. Um, so that's one way. The SAG uh, website also has franchised agencies and it has all of their informations. Um, you also can ask some friends, hey, can you refer me to your reps? I have noticed in the past an actor referring an actor is not always going to be beneficial. Um, usually it's better if it's an industry person or someone that you've worked with. If you start doing some independent films or some directors that you meet, they can get you some great meetings, some great um connections. So you can try your friends, but in my experience, I mean, I've referred a lot of my friends. I don't think any of them got meetings. Like they're always like, Oh, like I'll always refer somebody, but I think they take it more seriously when it comes from an industry professional, not that actors aren't, but just instead of being like, this is my friend it's I've worked with this person and they're great. Or like a casting director is an amazing referral. If you can get a fan as the casting director, they can definitely set you up some great meetings. So um, good luck out there. Anyone want to add anything else to agents and managers? Uh, no, just follow your instincts and um, listen to your um, intuition about people when making these decisions because they matter in the long run. It's a relationship like any other. Like if you don't like this person that's probably, that probably shouldn't be your agent if they don't make you feel like, you know, they worthy or if they're just kind of nonchalant and dismissive, probably not the person you want to go with. They're just going to add you to their roster and hope that you book something in the off chance that they can make some money from you. So just make, follow your instincts, follow your intuition and good luck because it is um, a hell of a journey, but it's worthy. And it's a lot of fun once you get, um, a good team around you that believes and supports you. Yes. And it is important because they're who gets you the big auditions and the big opportunities are the agents and managers. So you do need them. Unlike Doug, who says he doesn't need them <laughs> unless you're creating your own stuff. Maybe you don't need them, but otherwise you need people to hire you unless you've created your own job. Um, okay. Let's get into decanted. It's time for Decanted. What is the most embarrassing thing that has ever happened to you on a date? 
Ooh. I mean, I have a good one. I have a good one. So it it wasn't like a how's my sound? Terrible. Okay, cool. I'll keep going. Um, my like, I had extra padding in my bra, and oh, it just boy. and it just full on came out. It's like I I remember getting out of the out of the cab one night. This was years ago. <laughs> this was years and years and years ago, guys. I was definitely in my early twenties. Okay. Just kidding. This was yesterday. No, um, I was getting out of the cab. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. It was definitely when I was in my early 20s. And just this extra padding came out of my bra. And um, bless his heart, that guy just, I think he tried to make me feel better. But it was really freaking embarrassing. It was so funny. I was mortified slash like dying laughing because I was like, this is definitely going to be a story one day. But um, yeah, that happened. I'm sure I have more. Uh, but that was that one was pretty funny, pretty embarrassing. So sorry, my friend. So sorry. The cutlet is coming out. <laughs> Little chicken Full cutlet on. making an appearance. Hey, boo. Mortifying. Yeah. Um, Sarah, please entertain okay. us because right now I've got nothing. Zula is like, all my dates are perfect. No, no. <clears throat> Okay. So basically um, what comes to mind is I was on a date with this really hot guy named Doug. No, I'm kidding. This is like before I met Doug. Um, we were on, I think it was a second or third date and we were literally eating dinner at this nice restaurant. And I have no idea why this conversation even came up, but we started talking, and this is timely with me about to give birth, started talking about, uh, about birth. And for whatever reason, I said, well, do you know that um, sometimes they have to cut between the vagina and the butt. Like we're eating food. This is a date, right? And and he's like, what? And I'm like, to get the baby out, they have to just cut. And then the baby comes out and he was like mortified. And then we start laughing at how horrible this conversation is. And that I'm saying this, like, like, it's sort of like, while something's coming out of your mouth, you're thinking, what? am I doing? Why? Stop talking. <laughs> Luckily, the date still went great. And um, we were laughing about it like a few weeks later, even where he's like, what were you saying? And I, was, I don't know. Let's just ignore that that even happened. Um, that being said, I hope that I don't have to have, I think it's called an episiotomy. Is that correct? Yes. Or something. Ho yeah. Hopefully I don't have to have that done. Um, but apparently, you know, sometimes they have to do that. Or to sometimes get the it just out. rips. Sometimes it rips on its own. Supposedly, my OB said it's better to be cut than to rip. Because, I, again, this sounds horrible. And for the men listening, I am so sorry. Imagine being on a date, eating dinner, and having this conversation. <laughs> but uh, sorry if I grossed everybody out. Well, you're um, clearly grossed Erin out. Erin's like, I'm never having kids. Look at her face. Poor oh, yeah. Yeah. No, it's um, just terrifying. That's terrifying. Yeah, they sew you back up, but still, oh, oh, so painful. But yeah, I said that to this super hot guy on a date. Like, don't ask me why, but that comes to mind as a pretty embarrassing story. Okay, um, I don't know if it's I just I like I've beat, lost my yeah. memory. Huh? I got, I still have, I think I have Sarah beat on that, yeah. I don't have anything for you guys this, at this moment. I'm so boring. I mean, Kevin and I have had, uh, a terrible, embarrassing experience together. 
we went wine <laughs> tasting <laughs> in the middle of the day and fell asleep by the adult pool, like two losers after drink wine tasting all day and waking up and people are looking at us like you guys are sleeping with all your clothes on, on the lounges. And it's not cute, but I can't think of anything that's happened to me alone. I'm sure, I'm sure I've done awful things. Like, I don't know. I can't think right now, but I will come back with a good one. All right. So next week, Zulai will have. Next week, I will have my most embarrassing date story. Let me dig into my little memory bank. I feel like one has come to mind and then you, and you're thinking, no, I can't say that one. No. Okay. No. (laughs) I mean, I had a chicken cutlet fall off, but that was on screen on set. That was pretty, that was like hands down. I think you told Um, that. Yeah. Were you running? You were running. Right? I was running on yeah. on screen. By the way, hey, Tiffany you Haddish. Know. Tiffany Haddish was like, "What?" She's in the movie, <laughs> and she's like, "I saw your." Ch-. I'm like, "God, cut!" Oh, I was so mortified. If I, I would not want to relive that moment again. Didn't you leave it there? It did never resurfaced again. You left it there. I, right? Are you kidding me? I pretended. I was like, I don't know where that chicken. <laughs> Clearly, <laughs> everyone knew it came from my freaking shirt oh there's gotta be something in that vein you will get back to us we're gonna hold you to that um so stay tuned next week to hear zulai's embarrassing date story because it's gonna be a good one uh this has been an episode (laughs) of entertain her i am sarah sanderson i'm erin coscarelli hey guys i'm zulai now thanks for tuning in see you guys love you guys bye